My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. Never was the band dad. No, 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 no. Too much responsibility. Plus, if you listen to episode seven, which you should have by now, uh, let's just say no respectable band dad reads the newspaper while driving. Okay. I mean, with me as the band dad, you get uh, well, you get no band. Plain and simple. One way or the other, the ban doesn't happen when I'm in charge, okay? I mean, all due respect to anyone who was actually on the boat and survived. I'm very proud of you. Uh, the captain of the Titanic, probably a great, great grand uncle or something of mine, okay? And I'll bet he wasn't even drunk. I'll bet he was just like, you know, trying to read the newspaper or, I don't know, play a video game while he was steering this big boat. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Okay. I felt a little little questionable about that, but I'm just going to keep going. My next guest, as you will hear, uh, was very much the band dad at one point. In fact, he probably, if he was here, he'd be leaning over my shoulder right now saying, Mark, this show is way too long already. No time for a long intro. Let's just go. Set list is too long as it is. And as per usual, he's probably right. So let's get some official business out of the way real quick. And then uh, we're going to cannonball back into the pool with former band dad Bruce Fitzhugh of Living Sacrifice. We'll see if we can get him to uh, knock his drink off the lounger or something. But first. Today's episode is brought to you in part by American Dance Party. You know what you can find at AmericanDanceParty.com? Well, I'm sure some amazing clothes, as I've been reminding you every week now for the last few weeks. But what you won't find is the secret knowledge. What's the secret knowledge, you might ask? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. And only those of you listening this far in to this ad will possess it. You see... While we may love some ADP around here, today's episode, and honestly, every single episode of the Never Was podcast you have ever heard, is ultimately brought to you by the urban achiever himself, Mr. Billy Power. Truth is, typically, Billy only has time to check the first couple lines of my goofy ads, okay? Uh, Unless life is super slow for him, that's all he's got. But this is the thing. Life is never slow for the dude, okay? Billy has no idea this is in here. It's our little secret, you and me. I'm merely passing it on to you so you can pass it on and on and on. Let's not keep the secret. Do not hide this under a bushel. So what, what? What am I doing here? Am I, am I thanking him in a way he'll never hear? No. I'm promoting what I believe in in a way he'll never hear, or at least not until it's too late. Editing, EQing, 
mixing, mastering, general producer stuff. That's my guy. William Point Blank Billy Pontius Pilot Power. He should be doing this all the time. And he should be doing this for you. Should you hear this episode or any previous episode or any episode of the Urban Achiever Show and think, hey, I'd like to do that. But whomever could I rely upon for a nominal fee to see me through some janky ass bathroom recording to the polished art in my ear that I'm hearing right now? I'll tell you how. I'll tell you who. Billy Power, that guy. I know I can slip this in here without giving him like a heads up or special preparation needed, blah, 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 because every show he approaches the same. He wants it to be great. He's probably wondering why the hell this ad is taking so long. Hit him up, okay, at Urban Achiever PC on Twitter or his website, UrbanAchieverShow.com and just ask. See what happens. I want him to do your show. I hope he decides he can help you because you know what? No one person... No one human has helped me get this thing off the ground more than that guy, okay? Get him in your corner, Achiever. You will be proud of you. Okay, so now we're going to jump back into the ad as if we'd never left because this is the part that Bill's probably going to hear in a second, and we're going to see how long it takes old Billy to figure this out. Sound good? I know it does. Secrets are awesome. So, should you ever find yourself in a jam and need some sweatshop-free clothing you can feel good about? Wearing at your court date while the man has his foot on your neck? AmericanDanceParty.com Show him some love. Show him some love. Show him some love. Wink, wink. So we left off um, at what a revelation uh, reborn was. And uh, to my knowledge, you know, you guys kept on pretty strong there for a while. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we, to- we, we toured, started touring on that record pretty much, you know, right away. And we, that was like, at that point, up until that point, we, you know, had only toured in the summer times and stuff like that. Cause mm-hmm. uh, DJ and I were still in school, but at, at, at the point of reborn, you know, we were like ready. To, we were just like, let's do this. Let's go out on the road and live on the road. We were all pretty young, but we were also starting to get married and all that stuff too. So, um, yeah. you know, it was, uh, uh, it was a little bit of a challenge, but our wives at the time, you know, were super supportive. Even before Reborn, we were probably like touring quite a bit, like playing the material live before we recorded it, recorded it and all that. And you know, before that time, you know, even before it was like, it was kind of like a, about a year's worth of back and forth with tooth and nail to sign with them. Cause we weren't, we just, we were coming off of a bad experience with REX music. We had to oh, yeah. Yeah. purchase our records back from them or uh. negotiate some type of deal, which we actually did. Um, we came out better than like bands like Sixpence and the Richer who, you know, Ooh. probably, you know, 
you know, before they broke out. I mean, there, there was like a, a big, huge lag for them yeah. before their big yeah. hit or whatever. But, you know, uh, it worked out best for them. So, yeah, you know, I mean, we were just like full, full force at that point and just trying to do as much as we could. But and, you know, and we, we just went out with other bands in our genre, like started doing gigs with Zayo and, you know, uh, another, another band coming up, Embodiment, uh, Overcome. Oh, yeah. um, we, we were, we were, we didn't have an agent. We didn't have a manager. So we were not getting like tour tours, but sure. we were booking, we were booking ourselves and, and with fr- and friends were helping us book tours where we were just, I mean, we, we were mainly playing in clubs for the most part. And then, That's you know, awesome. we would play the various church gig from time to time. You mean uh, you which did were, it right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we, tr- we tried, I mean, it was hard. It was hard to turn down a show of somebody that, that really wanted you to have come play and they're like, oh, I can guarantee you this much money right, or whatever. So it was, it was like, oh, well, that'll make up for the money we don't make at the next show, you know. Right, you know how it is. Right. When you saw us play, was it like with the Truby Brothers or was it like after that with no, like our percussionists and everything? Well, I, when I first really saw you guys again, Truby was in the band. Um and then I, we played a couple shows with you guys when uh, when you had percussions at uh, Matt Putman. Yeah, Matt Putman. Yeah, Matt mm-hmm. Putman. Um, you know, we played a couple shows with with you in that incarnation as well. I remember the guys in my band loved that dude because he was such just a, a as I remember a bit of a wing nut. So it was kind of <laughs> he fit in real well with my dudes. They all liked him. <laughs> You know, because Stavesacre was touring pretty heavily right around that same time. Yeah. So you guys did all that in support of Reborn, and then Hammering Process comes out a few years later. You know, did you did you feel like some momentum was picking up there? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, we toured as much as we could on Reborn, and 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 in that time period is when like uh, Jason Truby actually, you know, kind of came and was like, you know, I don't really feel like it's right for me to be on the road anymore because I've got this new wife. We want to have a family. Uh, she's in school. I need to be working, et cetera, you know? And, and we were like, okay, that's cool. Um, and then, and then, and then his brother, Chris, um, was on base, you know, during reborn right. and he, you know, he was like, want, uh, wanted to start, uh, uh, a mission, uh, mission, missionary school at, at the church we were all going to at the time. And, um, and then Lance and I were just like, okay, well, that's that's great, you know, we we support you guys, but we're gonna, you know, we're just gonna keep keep doing living sacrifice, right? And um, and uh, that was a bit of a shock to them, you know. I think, um, but Lance and I were really, I mean, we really felt like uh, reborn was was um a great a great new beginning. That was the reason for the title of the record for sure. And we just wanted to, we wanted to put out another record and go back out on the road. And, and Lance and I love the road. I mean, we, we, we didn't have any problem with it, but Jason was not, not a, not a fan of the road, which is so ironic because he got asked to join POD several years later. <laughs> and he was but, on the road plenty. And the, yeah, I, I'm sure his road experience was much better though at that point. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, I like Jason, you know, he, he always was, a, was a really nice dude. Seemed like a very conscientious kind of fella. And then, but I do remember that. That final, like when, once things had, once the percussion was there and, and you guys were in full swing, I remember meeting Rocky and at the Wonderland Ballroom in, um, in Elgin, uh, the Chicago Illinois, area, Chicago, yeah. you know, 
at right when you guys were at full swing because we didn't know how much momentum was behind the band you know and we got to that show and uh i remember there was uh i i like you guys played after us and i feel like we all were like wow that's a good thing that that happened because <laughs> we didn't want to get destroyed <laughs> Stays Acre up there trying to be all, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, because there were certain markets where we would not, I mean, I would not want to to close for Stave's Acre, Dallas being one of them. I mean, we always did yeah. really great in Dallas, but Stave's Acre killed it in Dallas, you know? But I mean, dude, never, I remember there was like, a, there was kind of a debate like, well, who should play? Because we were all, I mean, I as, as to my knowledge... We don't really ever had any drama with any other bands, you know. It was always just like, okay, dude, who wants to do it, you know? Especially with you guys, it was just always on a on a very just I don't know. It was it was the way it's supposed to be, and um, as evidence, you know, we're all on speaking terms still. So, you know, I dude, remember dude, that show. We, we would have opened for you any day of the week. It, it I know never that, and to as us. would we have, you know, because <laughs> no one cares. No. Mostly yeah. what all of my guys were thinking is, is what are we going to do when the show's over? Well, <laughs> well, actually, you know? there are some dudes who care, and they'll go unnamed. Not, Real, not, not well, in either of our bands. Hey, there you go. <laughs> you, you know there's some other bands where... Oh, I know. And we played with some of them. They, it's... <laughs> It's very important to have a, uh, well, you know, to set forth a, uh, you know, precedence and, and, and to have yeah. that status. You know, you need to establish yourself as the bona fide star that you are. Absolutely. Anyhow. So, yeah. <laughs> so, no, Chicago was always awesome. And doing those shows were yeah. amazing. And to be honest, they always surprised us too. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, you get to the Wonderland and you're just like, uh, I'm not sure about this one, you know. It was Edan, Edan, yeah. you know. It, uh, and there'd be 800 people shows. there. <laughs> yeah, and then 800 people would show up. Yeah, that show in particular was just like bonkers. And we did, uh, dude. We probably did like four or five shows with Edan, and they were all mm-hmm. like that. We didn't yeah. headline all of them, but probably three or three of them at least. And they were always just huge and insane. Yeah. And that was, you know, for, for bands like us, man, that's the stuff that keeps you going. Cause at, during oh that time gosh. period, we were probably, I mean, we we're doing, we we're doing okay. I mean, we we're averaging, you know, maybe two to 300 per night. I'd love for those numbers now. <laughs>
So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to fly through everything super fast, but I also want to make sure that I can kind of try to get this all in under here. Of course. Um, I mean, kind of describe that, that time period, that stretch from reborn through, through conceived in fire, you know, and, and cause that well, was really, yeah. especially um, because of the solid state thing that was really kind of happening then, you know? Yeah, dude. I mean, I, we, we hit it at a great time and I, I, I remember, I remember talking to managers that had nothing to do with that scene, guys who were just like managing like metal bands on century media telling mm-hmm. me, telling me like maybe a few years or so after there's like, you know, there was a time, there was a time from 97 through 2000, whatever solid state just did not put out a bad record (laughs) (laughs) or whatever in Mm -hmm. their minds, you know, and there were bands like, yeah, Zayo, uh, uh, Norma Jean, their first album, first album, not as ludicrous came out, uh, band Spitfire only did one record with them, but, that record was incredible um embodiment of course um but yeah you know i mean we just ended up touring with all these guys and all these bands uh yeah you know uh and 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 having a blast but still you know we were mid-20s late 20 you know kind of getting into our our late 20s and we were you know married uh i i'd had my first daughter was born in 1999 and I was on the road, you know, I mean, not while she was born, but, you know, I took time off right. and stuff like that. And when I, my second daughter was born in 2001, I, li- I like she was born and I left for tour like the week after that. And oh, I was gone for like, I was gone for like, you know, six weeks or something like that. But that's, oh, that's man. how I made, that's how I made my living at that right. time. And at one point, you know, during that time period, I mean, uh, if we were out on the road, we were all making a quote unquote salary or whatever. But when we came home, it was just like every man for himself. So when I would come home, I would, uh, I would paint houses with buddies of mine during the day. And then about three nights a week, I'd wait tables, um, at various restaurants or whatever. And that's how I'd survive. And, and those, those jobs gave me the flexibility to, to take off when I needed to and to come back and pick up shifts or just pick up work or whatever. And, um, that's just that's just how it worked for you know for for me until then and 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 after um when hammering process came out uh it, it which ended up being like our our highest selling record um we were coming off the momentum of reborn for sure and of all the touring that we were doing cuz we toured from 90 you know pretty pretty solid from 98 1998 through 2000 hammering process came out in 2000 and we didn't stop we just kept I mean, as soon as the record was done, we were on the road, uh, mm-hmm. waiting for it to come out, essentially playing some of the songs. And, you know, we ended up playing with, uh, uh, everybody from, you know, Nile, uh, which is, uh, you know, brutal death metal band to cannibal corpse, uh, mm-hmm. during that time period. Uh, and then <laughs> we did a tour with squad five Oh, cause literally like, and I, we were at Cornerstone and, you know, the guys in squad were like, listen, we can't find a good band to tour with. We can't find anybody to tour with. It doesn't make sense, but let's just go out and do this. Just anyways, do it anyway. Because it shows it's better than nothing. You know, they were kind of, they kind of had some momentum. People love that band. They love seeing them live and stuff. And so, um, oh, yeah, they were, they were a handful, man. <laughs> they were hilarious. Those dudes. I, I love those dudes to this day. And, uh, and, uh, and so we went out on tour with them 
And uh, right from that tour, actually, while we were on that tour, we got a call to play uh, with POD um, on just on a run of West Coast dates. Um, it was about 10 shows or something like that. But it was after their first record on Atlantic and they were blowing up. Oh, I guess I forgot. We, we, we first toured with them in 97, right after Reborn came out. We actually okay. left Cornerstone in 97 with POD and, and known as a victim for like three weeks and, uh, toured Midwest East coast. They were in a van, we were in a van and that's how we got close with those dudes. And they're just like, mm-hmm bros you know like at one point there uh we'd done a couple of shows with them prior to that just as they came through arkansas or just through the south and their uh their rv had broken down and so they stayed like <laughs> they were stuck in little rock for like a week <laughs> <laughs> if you can imagine these awesome dudes from uh-huh. beautiful san diego <laughs> stuck in the deep south you know uh, what time what time of year was that uh man it was summer <laughs> <laughs> you poor was guys <laughs> i met i met those guys like uh i i their their rv had broken down and so i drove out to the interstate where they had stopped and like trey and marcos were underneath the rv like changing oh, out man. like changing out the um <sighs> the transmission fluid and i was just like i was like you guys, how do you guys know how to do that? Like, we if we break down, we're calling AAA. You know, we just don't know how to do. We we just don't do any of that stuff or whatever. But I was I was super impressed that they were changing out their transmission fluid, but it still didn't fix the problem, and so they had to take it in. And they were stuck, and so we worked out like a type of uh, like a van for them to use for some shows we did with them in Texas, and uh, I, that was memorable in '97 because that was the first time we ever played with Embodiment. Before they had a re- ever okay. did a record, they were just they had a demo or whatever the embodiment dudes, and um, uh, so it was like us and POD and the embodiment opened the show. But anyways, so in '97 we initially toured with those guys. That's how we get became friends, and that's how they got to know Jason and see what an amazing guitar player he he is. Um, yeah. and then um, fast forward to 2000, 2000 uh. We ended up playing with them, opening for them at Cornerstone on Main Stage. It was the first time we'd ever played Main Stage, and that was awesome. And from then, we did, uh, we just did, we just kept booking ourselves, you know. We ended up doing that tour with you guys in Project 86. Uh, oh, boy. For like a, uh, that was a pretty long tour, too. I, I want to say it was six weeks with you guys, uh, uh, us, Stave Zaker, and Project 86. and I yeah. remember that tour. Uh, do you guys remember? I'm, I'm sure you remember this. Um, I think it was at the end of that of that tour with the three of us. And, oh, yeah. I know what you're about to talk about. Oh, man. Driving down Santa Monica Boulevard. It's just the craziest. It's the middle of rush hour trying to get to the Troubadour. And um, I, in all honesty, thought it was just a mutual thing. I didn't think you guys had run the light at all. It, did, it didn't, you know. That that's whoever if if it was they hit us or we hit them or what but a, a red light was run and I'm standing on the side on the sidewalk just like dude that that car just came out of nowhere you know <laughs> and it's like four Hasidic Jews and and you know they they got all the hats and the whole deal and you're like what's going on and there's this guy standing next to me and he's like on his phone 
speaking like Hebrew. And I go, yeah, they just came out of nowhere. Huh? I goes, get away from me. Stop talking to me. And then, and walked away like, nah, dude, you guys are going to, you guys are going down for yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we, we were, it was, it was the end of the tour and you, you, I don't know, you probably, you were like, guys, when we get to California, I'm taking you to my coffee shop. Yeah. Was it in, Hun- <laughs> was that in Huntington Beach? Yeah, was that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Jungle, like, jungle. Going to, we're going to HB. We're going to my my coffee shop. We're gonna hang out. I, I I feel like I don't know if we had a day off or if we just had some time before the show. But you were like awesome. You were like our host. You're like <laughs> we're gonna hang out. And then and then I ended up I was riding with you in your van because it was because you guys were gonna have to get your gear. Like it was that's right. One of that's one right. of the last shows. It wasn't the last show. The last show was the the Glass House. But you, okay. you, you had your stuff, you had your van, and we were following the Living Sacrifice van. Arthur was driving. I think most of the guys were asleep in the van. And so, yeah, this, what happened was uh, the, 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 the guys in front of, of, of them like pulled out in their lane in order to turn right like really quickly. But mm-hmm. then they didn't, make, they didn't make the light, so they just slammed on their brakes, and Arthur oh. hit them. Uh, uh, and what in, what the insurance or the cops ultimately said is that we were both at fault. Okay. So their insurance, their insurance paid for their stuff. Our insurance paid for ours because basically because we hit them. We were and usually when you rear end somebody, it's always your fault. But yeah. like even even the cops were like, and based on the trajectory and all this stuff, and maybe some mm-hmm. other witnesses, they're like, oh yeah, so you weren't both weren't at at, at fault or whatever. But yeah, that wasn't. That was so weird and, and gnarly because uh, we had the tow truck pick up our van and trailer and take it the rest of the way down Santa Monica. I remember to that. To drop it off at the Troubadour so we could load in. Yeah. I remember <laughs> really, that. Because no. we were like, the guy was like, okay, I got to take this to whatever, some impound or wherever it is. you're going to take it to get it fixed. And I was like trying to figure all that out. I don't know if I had a cell phone at the time or what. I'm sure I had some kind of analog thing. And uh, I was like, okay, cool, but can you take us to the Troubadour first? <laughs> <laughs> we got to unload all this Because we are going to play tonight. I don't care. <clears throat> Nobody's hurt. We're going to play the show. Sure. And that's what we did. Yeah, that's a fun little show. I love that. That's like my favorite club in all of Los Angeles, Southern California. No, no, not Nothing even comes close to it for me. Yeah. It's still a great place to see a rock show, man. They get- totally. Totally. Always have great sound and all that. But yeah, I remember, I remember like when that guy blew me off and told me to get away from him, I was like, oh, they're in trouble. <laughs> they're in trouble. You just hit, you just hit a car full of Hasidic Jews in, in, uh, uh, West, West Hollywood. You're in, you're, you're in trouble, bud. <laughs> yeah, dude. But things worked out. So that's cool. Yeah, oh man. Well, yeah. It, it, surprisingly, More or it, less. I want to say after that, uh, we just, you know, we just kept hitting it, but like nothing like, it was kind of like, okay, we did this awesome tour with POD. We did a great run of shows with Project 86 and their album was just coming out on Atlantic or one of them, their second mm-hmm. one was, I don't know, but they were mm-hmm. on a pretty, pretty big, uh, um, uh, trajectory as well. You know, I mean, they were, they mm-hmm. were doing it, they were doing okay. And it was kind of like, okay, what next? And we didn't feel like it was time to go do another record yet. And we were, um, 
set to do the CMJ showcase in um, New York City Mm -hmm. in 2001, October 2001. Okay. And then uh, some dudes flew planes into the Trade Center, so. Ah, yes. That didn't happen. Things changed up a bit there. Yeah. Even even kind of towards the beginning of 2001, all the way up through that year, I was, uh, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what's what are we doing next? What's going to happen? It's like it's it, it's almost like that whole the whole of 99 through 2000 was just such a like step up in trajectory. It was like or step up in in in, in the opportunities, I guess, that we were able to do. People were mm-hmm. coming to the shows. They were doing great. Uh, you know, but it was still struggle. We weren't making hardly any money, you know, at all, yeah. uh, after it was all said and done. And again, you know, I, we'd come all get off tour and just like work two, three jobs just to, you know, make, yeah. make it work. And so I, my, my, my daughter, my second daughter was born in July, 2001. And so, yeah, you know, it was, and like I said, I, I went out on tour like the next week. And so it was just kind of like. Something's gonna happen. It's gotta happen, or else yeah. I gotta figure out my whole life <laughs> again. It's like you can't. There comes a point in your life where you can't be all about music. You know, you you got people who want to. You know, you, like you said, you're having kids. You you know, you're married. People are on the road and they're away from their wives. I don't know. It's just things start to get a little. You gotta start making some choices. You know, absolutely. And you know what? Even if uh, like we were all of a sudden, you know, drawing a thousand people a night. Mm-hmm. I, I probably still would have had a, like a kind of a crisis of conscience from being yeah. away because even at that level, it's like the only way you're making money is on the road. I mean, that's the only way anybody makes money unless yeah. they've got crazy publishing and all that stuff, radio and all that stuff. So, you know, Either way, I mean, I I I would have been like probably, you know, and I was kind of like I was I wouldn't I I wasn't like miserable, but like in all of like right around in in, in definitely in two thousand one, I was like you know some something's something's different. I need to figure this out, you know, for me, yeah, for me. And so remember the tour, the tour that we we actually ended up doing the tour that we were in two thousand in October two thousand one. During that, you know, right after the trade, you know, nine eleven uh, and mm-hmm. everything, and it was kind of during that time where, like, we totally re had to reevaluate, reassess, you know, what what we were doing or what we were going to sure. do or whatever. And uh, and I was like, man, I just, you know, I feel like I just feel like I need to get off the road. And at that point, actually, we were in, you know, some decent, mer- you know, debt for merchandise, and I hated that feeling. I was like, well. Ugh. We got to, we got to pay this off. And so like, I think I feel like for a year, all we did was play like one offs and weekends and just all that money went to the debt and the bills. And so how, it, it, while doing this, how do you, cause this is 2001, how do you write and, and record and, and drop conceived in fire? I mean, how does that happen? Um, I feel like we just started writing it and we, we probably started writing it a little bit on the road, but, um, just here and there, but also, um, somehow we wrote, recorded and released that record in 2002 on solid state. How did you feel about it? Was it, 
did you did you feel was it where you wanted it to be i mean honestly i you know at once it came out i was totally stoked on it once it was finished but going into it i was not very inspired i was like we're in debt we got to pay this off we're probably not gonna go out and tour like crazy to support this record Mm -hmm. you know i was i was kind of like this might be our last record type thing and in fact it was for like several years Mm -hmm. so i was like kind of like questioning i was like what is this gonna sound like you know i don't know but once we got into the recording process and and as as vocals were coming out coming about for it i got i mean i i mean i totally got stoked on it and to this day i really i mean i like that record a lot that record and it's time to kind of take a little step back is that i mean is that what you just when it came out you you did as as much support for it as you could i I don't really know what happened there to lead to that big gap i kind of during that process i mean i definitely came to the decision that i was not I, i i i wanted to you know figure out how to support my family and you know be home and not uh not be on tour and not that I, I hated tour. I mean, I actually, I mean, I probably, you know, I still liked it, but I was, you know, I was discouraged, you know, I mean, through that whole time period, you know, I was like, we never had, you know, like we never had a manager. We tried yeah. having booking agents and we went through like three or four, always a bad, just bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, just never, never really worked out. Um, we actually didn't get our 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 first legitimate booking agent until we reform re- got back together in 2008 and we were okay. <clears throat> we started working with uh our friend Ryan Downey um and at when we reformed in 2008 we went out on tour with Demon Hunter uh to support them on one of their tours but um but f- but during that time period the agency group was booking us and i was okay. like oh wow this is this is amazing this is how a real booking agent agency works you know it was it was great yeah um up until the high to the hiatus or where we where we broke up um i was like yeah i you know i'm i just i feel like i gotta be done with this and 
and Lance was like, I totally understand, you know, you know, I agree. And then, and then he came back, uh, maybe a month or so later. And this was, this was 2003, you know, we had already mm-hmm. done like kind of our, 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 our shows, our festivals, you touring on, mm-hmm. on, on conceived in fire. And, uh, he was like, well, man, I, I want to keep it going. I want to keep living sacrifice going. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> I said, and, 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 and I, I, we always said, you know, we always said like, you know, when, when, when some of the other guys had left, like, like the band, it's like, I didn't feel like it was mine to say no. You know, I was like, dude, sure. you were there from the beginning. If you want to keep this going, that's cool. I said, it's going to be weird. But I honestly, at the time I was just like, so ready to not be worried about, are we going to sell records? Is anybody going to show up? You know, right, being on the right. road and that the stress of that with being away from your family and, and, and my family, you know, my wife was super supportive the whole, whole time. But, but, you know, I mean, there was a point where she, you know, she, uh, didn't want to have to work, you know, she wanted to be, be home with our, our, with, with our kids who were super young at the time. Yeah. And, um, so it was that, that was my goal just to try to figure out how to make that happen. So anyway, so Lance told me that and I said, okay, you know, do what you do, what you feel you got to do. So we had this final tour set up in the summer of 2003 and, um, I was, it was, it was going to be, it it was going to be my final tour. And, um, he had, uh, talked to Corey, uh, Corey Putman, who's now the singer of Norma Jean and Matt Puppin's brother. Um, uh, all those guys were in Esso Caris, uh, a band that mm-hmm. I, uh, worked with early on, helped put out their first record and everything, um, about singing. So, you know, singing for the band. So, so Corey did that, but also during that time, Rocky had, um, Rocky knew we were winding down, so to speak. And so mm-hmm. he took a gig playing drums for Evanescence. Right. And, um, so he was, he was gone too. And so for, in 2003, for all, for all of 2003, we actually brought Corey in to play guitar for, for, for my final shows. And then when I was done, he was going to take, take over vocals. And, uh, also, uh, <laughs> uh, and little known fact, uh, this will probably blow you away. I don't know if any, you or anybody knows this, but Brian Gray was going to be the second guitar. <laughs> oh Brian that dude just shows up all the time man he just keeps popping up well he was he's a super close friend to us and Lance, him, Lance and still is to this day he's awesome we love that dude. I don't know a single person that doesn't like Brian Gray I mean he's oh, a good dude come on dude I mean he was the, the perfect guy to run those stages at Cornerstone he's the best he was you know he was always a very positive guy so and sincere. I mean, how can you not like the dude? Well, no, uh, Brian's the guy that 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 has told me many times the definition of um, ministry is service, or something along those lines to serve. Well, he definitely gets it, and that's yeah. that's what he does. I mean, no matter what he yeah. did. I mean, we just actually did a couple of shows in November where he and Martin, uh, another good friend uh, of ours from Germany, they live in Chicago came down and did a, uh, just designed a light show for a couple of club shows that we did in November. <laughs> awesome. Just to hang out. So anyways, yeah. uh, so, and yeah, that's so, very, that sounds very much like Brian Gray to me. Yeah. 
So the plan was uh, in 2003, uh, we were playing, we were, we were going to play Cornerstone. Cornerstone was going to be the last show for me and for the band, or for me. And then they had a West Coast tour booked with Corey on vocals and Brian Gray on guitar, Arthur on bass, everybody the same, you know, Matt, Matt Putman on, on percussion and, and, and Lance. And so Lance was like, you know, I was turning the band over to Lance essentially or whatever. Mm-hmm. And dude, I, on that last tour, I was just like, I couldn't, I was like totally fine. I was like, man, this is fun. I'm just going to have fun on this tour because I, you know, uh, you know, I just, I, once I'd made my decision not to try to make this thing happen, it was like all the pressure was off. Yeah. People uh, rightfully accused me. You're like, dude, but dude, you were so serious. Like when you were on tour or you, know, you were, man, you were a super serious uh, guy. I guess so. And I don't, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't recall that, but I, I totally understand though now. Cause I was yeah. like, I was like concerned about everything. I was worried about everything. I like all, all, all the way to the minute details of like, of like, is the, is the lighting guy going to black out the lights before we go on? Or something stupid like that, you know. It's just like because it's well, the, the, so in dumb. fairness to you, let's think about it this way. I mean, you know, I don't know if you heard the show with Billy, but you know, he he was talking about him and Lewis trying to get me to laugh at, uh, at I think South by Southwest or something. He's trying trying to get me to laugh. Yeah, and, I heard um, it. Yeah, play better and all that <laughs> stuff. Well, at least. I at least you were being serious about things that were relevant. <laughs> I was being serious about some perceived thing in my head. So your stuff was legit. I mean, I remember even afterwards, and we we definitely need to touch on the Zambui thing. But you know, I remember Mike being like, "Dude, Bruce is Bruce is the I'm the guy that that spins off like crazy, and Bruce is the guy that goes." that is impossible. We're not going to do that. You know what I mean? Like you're the, the reality of, 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 uh, cause that has to happen. There has to be somebody who has a, at least a, a toe on the brake, you know, maybe not their whole foot, but something. Yeah. Well, I, I maybe so. I mean, for me b- being that, that guy in the band, I mean, everybody's got one. They've got, it's, it's the, uh, it's usually the, the drummer. It's the, well, it's, well, in in the Crucified's case, maybe it was a drummer, but it's the it's the band dad. Yeah, I was the band dad. <laughs> All right, dude, it's time to get up. We gotta we gotta leave now, so we can make sound check. Yeah, you know. All right, you know this is how much we made. <laughs> it's not as much as we thought. <laughs> <laughs> we've got to pay this bill first before we pay ourselves and oh, man. that was me I was a band dad and so I was definitely concerned about all those things and when I let all that stuff go I was like just this is actually fun yeah I was like so cool and fine with whatever Yeah. but then all that stuff transferred to Lance and so oh. on that final tour or on that final tour that I was a part of in 2003, which ended up being our final tour, some, uh, you know, stuff went down. There was drama within the band, which had never, ever happened before. Like we were oh, all man. on the same page. I was, I was kind of a, uh, a, a bystander just looking on, uh, thinking, 
man, I'm glad I'm not in a band with these dudes anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry, guys, but that's pretty, that's hilarious. (laughs) I'm, 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 that's, that, that's a horrible joke. I'm sorry. It's but but dude, I get it, man. I mean, honestly, the you know how tough it is on the road. It can, you know, even little things can become really really trying and then something like something real and something legit happens. Oh, the the blackness, the cloud that would be over a trip like that, man. I I'd, I'd probably just want to get on a plane and go home or a bus. You know, yeah. Okay, well, so that, that wasn't uh, every, that wasn't everything that that. I mean, there were other issues, probably. Sure, you know, yeah. that where basically Lance was like, okay, maybe I won't keep this band going. You know, yeah. And we he all probably, fin- we you know. we all finished the shows out and everything, and and um, um, you know, it was like you know, it was at that that point I felt comfortable about it. I had already, you know, moved to Nashville and was working. Uh, with uh for mike at a record label and so that's where that's where i thought okay i can still be in the music business and mm-hmm. make a living i'm gonna be an a and r dude because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i can spot talent a mile away there you go <laughs> okay so let's i mean man up against it again here bruce i'm looking at this but i we got to go over that time. I mean, a lot of things happened, you know, from the end of the band to, you know, the, the reintroduction in 2010 and all that. Like, I mean, Zambui started, as far as I know, in, in, in one, you or Mike's living room or something, right? Yeah, well, it started in 2002. Uh, Mike, Mike hired me to work for uh, this is Mike label. Lewis. Mike everybody. Lewis uh, of Fernell, Love Not Lisa and Puller fame, P-U-L-L-E-R. And I got to know Mike uh, on the road, kind of like you. I think the first time I met him was, uh, it was like Staves Acre, MXPX Polar. And I actually okay. drove to see you guys like in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas, just because I wanted to see my buddies and, mm-hmm. you know, you and 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 and, and Jeff Ballou. And I, I didn't really know the other Staves Acre guys that well at the time, because it was early, early in, in, yeah. in the Staves Acre life. But uh, that's where I met Mike and he was playing in Polar. And even then, like right right when we met, like it was just funny. He was like, because we were, it's before we'd signed a tooth and nail. So Reborn hadn't come out or anything like that. We were like in this transition period. He didn't know me from nothing. And he was like, yeah. he was like oh, you guys are talking tooth and nail? He's like, oh, you should sign totally. <laughs> he's like, he's, he's like, hands down, I've been on major labels, best label experience I've ever had. So awesome. <laughs> Love it. And uh, so that pattern of him telling me what I should probably do just kind of kept going. <laughs> now he's like, hey, you should go to Haiti and help me feed kids and help orphans and stuff. Hey, you should come to me with Africa. Come, come to, to Africa with me and uh, do all hey, this Hey, you stuff. should come move to Nashville with me. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I yeah, we ended up doing shows together and and, you know. We became fairly close and how he thought of me to come and work for this label. I really don't know. I can't, I can't, I just have no clue. I mean, I think we were just talking. He had just gotten divorced. And so we were just talking a lot. Yeah. And I was telling him, Hey, you know, band's done. 
Um, I've got to find, you know, I've just basically got to find something to do. And, uh, right now I'm painting houses and waiting tables. And, um, I don't know. He just thought of me and he's like, you want to move to Nashville and work for me at a record label? I was like, yeah, sure. So that's what I did. And the label lasted, oh, about nine months. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. I, the money, the, there was no money left or something happened and the checks bounced and we were in this townhouse that, that the, the, the head of the label had purchased to run the label out of. And I lived super close to the townhouse. And I, I, you know, when, when the checks started bouncing, I just, uh, went, went, you know, I had to work. So I, I went and got a job at a restaurant, was waiting tables. Right. Uh, and the thing that, um, that we did, uh, uh, or, or, or that Mike did for the label was he set up their, their e-commerce store. And back then, 2001, 2002, I mean, you basically had to build that stuff from scratch. There was no software, right. no apps, Nothing you could just go and pay $20 a month to install or put in or whatever. It was all like, you had to develop it. So he he, he knew this developer who lived here in Nashville because he had been in Nashville previously at another company, a technology company. So he had made those those kind of connections and stuff like that. And so uh, for, for, for the time we were at Excess Records, um, I mean, I brought in, I licensed uh, the last embodiment record that came mm-hmm. out for it. Um, I signed uh, a band called uh, Ashtray Babyhead who had changed their name to The Kicks. Um, <laughs> not to be confused. The Kicks is way better. Not than, to uh, be confused with... Uh, the Kick. The Kick with mm-hmm. Louis Fabrizio. And so uh, I think we put out five records in that year I was there and then, there were, and then the checks bounced. So, but anyways, we yeah. had set up the online store and even for the online store for hardly any kind of marketing we could do, we were getting orders for like CDs and stuff. And it was kind of cool. It was like, Oh, this is a new technology. Let's, let's sell things online. It's the future. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so Mike was like, why don't we just set up stores for some other bands? And so, uh, we, that's what we did. We, we took that platform and started, uh, building out online stores for, all of our buddies' bands like Norma Jean and yeah. Under Oath, and actually Staves Acre. <laughs> yeah, Staves Acre. Yeah. Actually, the very first Zambu store uh, with the ID store ID zero one was Living Sacrifice. Nice, because okay. um, uh, we uh, it was we we hadn't quite finished our our final tour, but we still had product left, and so it was sure. like Living Sacrifice was always the guinea or uh, the guinea pig store that we try stuff on. <laughs> Like we'd be like, right. you know, like we'd like, we'd like implement some new feature to the, to the, to the system. And we'd, we'd try it out on that store, you know, whatever, and see if it worked. And, and then we'd, we'd make it store wide. But, but the thing we did uh, with Zambui was, was with all these individual stores we were setting up, we also, f- uh, we also uh, funneled all that into a superstore called Zambui. And no, at that time, nobody else was doing that. There were other other online companies that were doing individual stores, but nobody was marketing like this global store. And that's gotcha. all Mike. That's all Mike. You know, Mike was doing all that stuff. You know, that was yeah. all his ideas. So when you you talk about like him, like you know, me being like, you know, some type of reason, I you know, uh, he was like the guy that could think 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 how something could be done, and probably a lot of his ideas were before their time. I mean, the whole video, uh, the whole video thing, 
there's even things I'm seeing now, like apps and stuff where that are coming out now that are semi-successful. I'm like, oh yeah, Mike had that idea like 10 years ago, but we didn't have any money to implement it. You know what I mean? Any money or the information on how to make them actually happen. Yeah. So, you know, um, we, we, we did really well. We started the, uh, we, we took over tooth and nails mail order and solid state. And so we ran their store. And then at the, at, you know, at a certain time during that time, Bill Power, uh, Bill or Billy, as he's now known, uh, Billy Power, uh, left, uh, the label and we were able to get him to come and work with us. And it was just like, that was great, man. It was awesome. We had a lot of, a lot of fun doing yeah. that. But it was a struggle, and uh, you know, at a certain point, we we really needed to grow and have more capital and pay the bands, uh, operate, <laughs> you know, pay the bands mm-hmm. money they're owed, operate uh, our company below a certain threshold so that everybody got paid, and we didn't have to cut our salaries, which we actually did uh, many times. Me and Mike and and Alan, who was our third partner, who built the technology, um, the initial technology and everything. And, you know, that was pretty stressful too, you know. So um, we sold the company in 2010 to another company here in Nashville uh, that was building fan clubs and websites. And uh, I I stuck around with that company uh, for three years until last year and then left left them. And now, now I, I, I'm still in merchandising doing e-commerce for a company called Manhead out of... Uh, New York, but we have an office here in Nashville too. We okay. work with bands like uh, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, Jewel. They sell Train. a couple shirts. They do sell two or three shirts. Um, yeah. I think they had the number yeah. one record last week or something that came out. That is like that. crazy to me. I know. All of a sudden, that band came back out of nowhere and just, hey, whatever, man. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. Hope to make a yeah, gazillion it's, dollars. It's <laughs> it. You know, I think what the uh they're one of the few rock bands that broke the top 10 or something, you know. Cuz everything's just so pop driven. And actually, you know, I, I mean, they the reason they broke the top 10 is cuz their new music is pop driven. I mean, it's <laughs> right. it's very pop. Hey you know? man, I if mean, you can't beat them. You yeah, know? yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I'm 
when did you decide like did you just say like i missed this i want to do this again oh or? yeah yeah um well after being after being here in nashville for you know seven you know seven years six or seven years and just not being on the road at all for like five years straight i was like to put it in perspective when living sacrifice quit there was barely a myspace right right there was no itunes there was no digital i mean yeah the whole paradigm shifted everything not only that but our style of music actually blew up like (laughs) (laughs) like 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 uh uh damn it yeah i mean after like Kill Switch Engage all of a sudden. Shadows Dude, I fall. remember, man. I mean, it was just like metal was blowing up again, or what they called metalcore. And a lot right. of people like lumped us into that with how our, our, our style had changed and the type of things we were doing. Like we never we never ventured into the yelling, singing thing all that much. A little bit on the hammering process, but not too much. Mm-hmm. But but um but stylistically, it was like this massive resurgence of American metal and hardcore. Yeah. Lamb of God. Uh, Kill Switching Age, you know. Yada, yada. Uh, and so, um, you know, I mean, after seeing, uh, you know, bands like Norma Jean, you know, selling just crazy amounts of record, they come and play in Nashville and there's like 1,200 people there. And, right. uh, you know, and, and, and the success of Under Oath, you know, our final, to put it in perspective, our, our final show in Little Rock in 2003, Under Oath opened for us and we had taken them on the road to, you know, to play shows with us. And they were awesome dudes even back then when Dallas was still singing with those guys at that point yeah. and, um, and everything. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, fast forward two years and they're just massive. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't bummed or anything. I was like, I was like, I was like, oh, this is cool. And I was still glad to be off the road. But then that little part of me was like, oh, well, there's all these tools at, 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 at our, our fingertips and we could record and not tour full time. And I don't have to be in a full time band and I don't, I don't have to make this my life. I can make this right. my art or my hobby. I don't play golf. I don't not, I, I, I don't even hardly watch sports on TV. So right. I was like, yeah, let's do this. And and the other thing that kind of kind of made it uh, uh, a reality was Rocky uh, had quit Evanescence. Right. He'd done about, he'd done two records with them and um, toured the world. Uh, you know, that band has sold 20 million records or something. That really is so crazy. Ridiculous. You know that I still have, I still have the demo somehow. I mean, it's well documented. Dave Zaker threw a lot of demos against street signs on the road. Okay. That's just how we did it. But I somehow still had the Evanescence demo still sealed that those guys brought to me back at Cornerstone in like, I mean, a, a gazillion years ago. Yeah. And, and I only remembered it because I, uh, we all had a hard time saying their name, trying to figure out who the heck is this? What do they say? How, how do you say, say this? Yeah. You know, yeah, dude, yeah. And you watch them; it's just all of a sudden, man. They're they're. I mean, to the point of like, dude, I am sick of hearing that song. <laughs> I that independent release. Uh, I sing. I, I there's a song that I sing on on that that record. Uh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, they, they we they played with us like a little bit. They did our uh, they opened for us at our record release show for the hammering process in two thousand. You know, but wow. anyways, like like er, things had changed so much. You know, in two thousand eight, and and then our buddy Ryan Downey was like putting little bugs in my ear. You know, like dude, you guys ever want to do a reunion tour or anything like that, or or a record? You know, I'll help you out. I'll. I'll I'll manage that aspect of it, and that to me was mm-hmm. very appealing because even though it wasn't a full on, we're going to be a full time band again. I just didn't want to deal with that stuff. I didn't want to be yeah. that guy again. You know, I you, wanted you that. Had tasted the fruit of not carrying that thing. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I was like, uh, you know, I don't know. Things just kind of came together, and then um, Demon Hunter asked us uh, to do uh, their uh, their Storm the Gates tour um in in 2008 and that's that's kind of part of the catalyst you know for for uh going to the the rest of the dudes and just being like you know do you guys you guys want to do this tour maybe write a record so wait, let me get this straight demon hunter called you before you were still really playing again and said why don't you guys come on the road i mean had did they know that you were still i don't know that it happened like that i think it was more like because because ryan also managed manages demon hunter and so i think it was more like i i think i think we had kind of made the decision oh yeah we can we can we can play some shows and yeah and uh maybe you know work on a record i think i think we'd already made that decision i don't it wasn't like them saying come out of retirement to to do that okay but it was our first tour that we did and we had already made the decision to do that tour when we started like rehearsing and figuring all that out and then we played a couple of warm-up shows like in 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 Arkansas and everything, so so yeah, cool. And and you know, <laughs> I gotta say, man, though, I mean, back to your point, it's like, uh, it's like you know, with all all the awesome stuff that was happening in music and metal and all these tools at your fingertips, MySpace was so amazing to right, to reach right. out, you know, to so you know, we started, you know, I was like, wait, you can like communicate with like just you know, ten, hundreds of, or tens of thousands of fans or whatever. Or, that was cool. And I was, I was a part of that because of Zambui and doing the marketing that I was doing. So I was seeing how all, how we were utilizing it for our online stores and our merchandise and then seeing how all the other bands we were working with was using it. And I was like, wow, you know, what if we just came back out and just blew up? <laughs> <laughs> Uh well, uh so yeah so that guy it's better than thinking hey what if we came back out and we sucked you that, know who knows but it's funny because looking back on it you know that guy that little guy was was still there it was like mm-hmm. there it's like yeah and but it was more to the to the effect of like oh yeah it's not it's not as hard now but honestly and it's just as hard oh just even hard harder maybe because there's so much so much static so many bands yeah dude it's so it's easier stuff. for you but it's also easier for all those other bands <laughs> you know what i mean totally. all these other people that are trying to do something or or whatever or it's just coming up and there's just a ton of more interference there's like way too much traffic for the freeway you know yeah and you know our core audience that loved us back in the day came right back and 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 they started you know, they were stoked, you know, but then, you know, 
a good chunk of them, half of them, you know, uh, were grownups with jobs and families and they just sure. like, you know, they, it's like, it's not a priority for them to know what the la- latest awesome metal record just came out, you know, for yeah. any band, not, not just mention, you know, not just singling out us. They just, you know, they've got, people have real lives now. And so, yeah. but for me, I mean, I will say this, that, that music will always be part of what I do and what I want to do. Um, whether I'm just like writing music for, with some buddies and playing out a little bit or recording and playing stuff or, or, or whatever, you know, cause I, I do well, enjoy the you process. This. You said, you know, some of those people have all grown up and they have families now and they have their own, you know, they have lives or whatever you do too. What is that? What is life now, right now? I mean, obviously you're still making music, you know, but, but what, what are you, what are you up to now? Um, well, uh, so, so yeah, we, we put out our eighth album in, uh, in 2000, uh, 13, November, 2013 called That's ghost thief called ghost thief. Yeah. And it's on mm-hmm. solid state and we recorded, uh, it, what's so crazy too is how we record now. It's like, we'll track drums in the studio and then the rest of the record is done. And my mom's basement <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in little yeah. rock, you know, except, sure. except, except for vocals. Maybe I'll, 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 most of the vocals happen in Nashville. And we record with my, uh, my buddy, Jeremiah, who uh who I've been working with off and on since 2003 um uh he and I worked on the first uh, album for a band called The Showdown and um and then he he recorded uh three songs for like our you know for the for the Solid State Best of record like after we were finished that came out in 2005 but it was like kind of it was called in memoriam for a reason because we were no longer right uh i i've just you know kept up with that you know he and i've been working on uh projects and we got an opportunity to uh work on uh some music for a video game called killing floor 2 and killing floor yeah and it's a first person zombie shooter game that's coming out uh it's a it's a it's a pc based game i guess and and you'll have to forgive me because i'm not or podcast world has to forgive me because i'm actually not a, a gamer hardly at all um <laughs> this is how this is how wimpy uh i am um so uh if i'm if i'm in some type of like if i'm watching like a game that's just, like the perspective is moving around a whole bunch i get car sick oh yeah yeah <laughs> it, huh. it's like it's like the worst because i couldn't i could never play games in the van video games in the van i was just like the way oh, it just sucked so anyways, you missed out, which I know, <laughs> which is funny because all my kids love video games. They're like crazy gamers. But anyways, uh, so this dude, we'd actually played shows with this guy, this dude that is the president of uh, Tripwire, who's putting out the game. It's called Tripwire Interactive or whatever. He and I reconnected uh, sometime last year and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I have this company and we put out this game. It's called Killing Floor. Uh, yada yada you know uh, I, I want to license some songs for it you know and I'm like no way that'd be awesome that'd be amazing and I didn't really know much about it but apparently this game's like done really well the first version of it which came out in 2009 so the new version okay. is coming out this year and um, he and I kept talking and, and we en- ended up you know, talking about doing original music for it that's that's kind of what, what we're doing so I mean that's that's what I'm able to do musically is a little bit of living sacrifice and then some writing for, for that, which that's coming out. And then, um, trying to, 
trying to do just projects and stuff with people in town, but it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. To say the least. Yeah. I've, I've heard that. <laughs> Jeez, man. I mean, I'm in the spot right now. Stage Acre trying to write new music. Holy Moses. Well, that, you just wouldn't believe dude, it. Dude, the White Lighter stuff is great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But how long did that, how long did that take? I mean, uh, dude, I mean, Steve and I started writing that when I was still living in Long Beach. Oh my In gosh. like 2010, you know, yeah. he sent me all those tracks. We started sending tracks back and forth, but that's how you do it now. You know, I mean, so rarely yep. does anybody get a chance to jam together. And when you do, it's like, Oh, this is freaking great. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you, you forget how, how much power there is behind that. But what's, 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 what's next is living sacrifice still kind of going? Are you guys going to yeah, write some yeah, new music? We, um, we're actually writing, starting to write on a new record. Um, okay. I think it's going to come out in solid state. I don't know. I mean, they, they have the first rights for it, but um, we don't really tour at all. I mean, there's uh, yeah. actually for uh, when we, when we initially came back in 2010 and did the infinite order, which is when that record came out, it was, the record was actually supposed to come out in 2009, which is a kind of a year after that tour with, with demon hunter, but it got delayed, <laughs> pushed back or whatever. We did about like 60 shows in 2010. We actually did went on tour a couple of times for that. And I was able to do it just, you know, because I, one of the bosses in my company and my other bosses and stuff were bummed with me, but whatever, you know, I just, <laughs> they, they're fine. I had to, I had to work it out. Um, in, uh, did ghost thief, uh, last year, but we did do hardly any shows on that, and we're not really in a position to tour, and which is totally fine with me. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't have a desire to go out on tour. I'd like to play more shows. We got to go to Costa Rica, sure. play a show there, which That's is cool. awesome. That's and cool. Uh, we got to go to Norway uh, a couple years ago. That I was killer. It. Oh man, I'd go back there for nothing. I know, I'd go back seriously, there for nothing. Um, so you know, we're we're gonna make a new record and. Uh, see how cool. it comes out maybe who's in the band right now it's the same guys man since we kind of reformed okay. it uh, as far as like i mean like i said i was mentioning that the the main catalyst of being able to you know kind of come back together was rocky quit evanescence and he was just working on uh, other yeah. local projects so it's me rocky lance who you know being lance from the very beginning and, and arthur green and on bass uh no percussion when we when we kind of got back together we we didn't we didn't feel like uh we needed that that uh that aspect of it because um it, it's just you know finding somebody to to do that on a semi-regular basis sure. is just whatever sure. you know it's kind of one more guy to work out their schedule you know yeah let's say this let's say this it, you blow up and sell a million records maybe you'll think about putting a percussion guy out there again you know what i mean like yeah yeah until then stripped and you know well i lean and mean i gotta say man i mean i am super th grateful and thankful for like everything that we were able to do and accomplish and i definitely don't want any part of what i'm saying to come across as like uh, you know, it was a bummer because we didn't become like so huge. I mean, dude, that's just it's not what it's about. I mean, it would have been maybe a little helpful to have, 
you know, be able to support some things. But like I said, like in 2000, you know, when we kind of like, we're like, eh, I don't know about this. I, I don't, I don't know that, that, that it would have worked out, you know, and, and it, for any band, you know, it's like, you know, to be that type of long-term thing is crazy commitment. And some of the, some of these bands, it's like, uh, you know, time comes to an end, you know, it's just kind of like time yeah. to, time to hang it up or do something else even. You know, creatively. The important thing is, yeah, that's it right there, is do something else. And, you know, it's it's often said in passing, but the fact is, dude, uh, you know, a wife who loves you, beautiful family, you know, you have your health. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like things have worked out pretty well, uh, and you're still going, you know? Well, yeah, thanks. I mean, I I'm blessed, and... I hate how that's become a cliche and mocked. I think people know uh, by listening to you for the last couple hours now on these two shows that that's not really your deal. (laughs) Popping out cliches left and right, you know? So, yeah, but um, yeah, I wouldn't trade it. I mean, Bill, I even Bill said it, you know, it's like everything that, that I worked on, all the relationships that I, that I have to this day are because of, you know, the music and the band and, 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 and even, even what I know about business and, and things like that. I mean, I went to school and got a degree, but you know, everything I really know came from touring in a band. <laughs> there you go, kids quit school and go on tour. very sincere thanks to Bruce Fitzhugh for joining me for a couple hours and my equally sincere thanks to you for listening for the record last week's show was literally our fastest and highest growing show yet and I think that is amazing please join us next week as we attempt to go spelunking hmm 
All you Argyle Park and Circle of Dust nerds, take note. Clayton, a.k.a. Cell Dweller, is coming at you. I think you're going to enjoy it. Just saying. Again, thank you. I mean it. Please, please keep the emails coming. I'd say we're about 30% there for our next letter show. Uh, the theme of the show is You Tell Me in 200 Words or Less. The experience, the album, the movie, the band, hot dog, song, festival, superhero, book, whatever that changed your life. What experience with something that we can share amongst ourselves changed your life? And... Uh, once again, that email address is thetwilightsown at ineverwas.com. That's thetwilightsown at ineverwas.com. And this goes double for uh, Cooksies living in Fresno. This show was brought to you by American Dance Party. Please stop by and visit them at americandanceparty.com. The Living Sacrifice songs you heard tonight were In Order, Flatline from The Hammering Process, Symbiotic from Conceived in Fire, Rules of Engagement off of The Infinite Order, probably my favorite record of theirs. And of course, their latest, Ghost Thief, off of the album of the same name. And that album is freaking massive, by the way. Brutal. Once again, all of their music from this show is off my latest album, the self-titled White Lighter on Northern Records. And as always, the show is produced by Billy Power of Urban Achiever Podcast. Tonight's show and all other episodes can be found at iNeverWas.com. And both my show and Billy's Urban Achiever can be found on the iTunes podcast store. Find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and all that jive. Thank you for all the listens, the comments on Facebook, the very helpful ratings on iTunes. I appreciate it so much, man. I just can't believe it. I, I can't believe it. Uh, stick around. Come come listen next week. Uh, the Cell Dweller interview is actually is pretty great. Uh, until then. Rainbow out.